Welcome to the Drive Able podcast, where we discuss all things about driving and safer community transport for people with disabilities and medical conditions. If you haven't done so yet, make sure you go back and listen to the last episode. In that last episode, we interviewed Matt and we're going to discuss him today. Um, We talked about his journey into his life and learning how he drives with hand controls. This is episode 11, where we reflect on Matt's story and his journey. Thanks for joining us. And are you ready for this, Brad? Yeah, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Driving is something many take for granted. But when someone has altered ability, then driving or getting out and about in your own car can be challenging. Driving with a disability doesn't mean you have to drive an old clapped out car with farm-like machinery and relying on a wheelchair doesn't mean waiting for hours and then being in the back of a maxi access cab getting car sick. The Drivable podcast is designed to introduce and explore driving aids for people with disabilities, vehicle modifications, the NDIS, research, medical guidelines, driving techniques and much much more. The Drivable podcast is to help you be informed and be in control of your own independence so you can experience freedom through driving safely and reliably. I'm Ali and with me is Brad and together we have over 30 years of experience in disability and driving. Enough of the intros, let's get into it. Okay, in this episode we are reflecting on the last one where we interviewed Matt Caruana um, and his journey all around driving um, and re re vitalizing himself as a new person. Um, definitely an inspiring story. Definitely someone I reckon we'll be seeing in the future more of um, on a bigger scale, national and even international. He was a great guy to um, talk to. Um, and yeah, Brad, how great was that guy? What a great attitude. Yeah, mate, I've, I've got his Instagram account open next to us here. Um, Matt shares, if you want to go and look it up, T. S-H-A-R-E-S on Instagram. And you can just look at his photos on there and and see what an engaging guy he is for for all the people that he's he's talking to nowadays. He's and he got us engaged as well, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. And um and and it was really interesting, I guess. I like um his tagline, Matt Shares, um, because one of the key points I thought um from that discussion was um, once he started sharing his story, um, that's when he could really start rehabilitating, you know, in, in multiple ways. First of all, his mental state, but then also sharing his issues and so on meant he could start properly gaining support, you know. Yeah, wasn't, um, wasn't that interesting how he, yeah, once, he, once he'd made that switch um, in his brain, then everything else came together as well. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, so yeah, well, I thought that was really, really interesting, and and I guess as we discussed, it's a previous to when we started, it's definitely a bit of a common theme we're seeing, um, like people that are either you know in a dark part of their lives or, or struggling with something mentally, which so many of us do, um, and probably most of us go through these periods, um, and and many of us probably escape unscathed. Um, from these sort of, you know, bad periods or bad choices we make. And some people tend to um, end up, you know, uh, making, having more bigger impacts from their bad choices, I guess, lifelong impacts. But what's interesting is all of these guys that we've interviewed so far, um, they've turned it around and, and actually seen the light um, in that, you know, and they've seen um, where they can, I guess, contribute a 
to the community rather than take from the community. And that's awesome. Yeah, well, they've been through hell. Uh, the three people that come to mind that we've interviewed so far is Kwa, who's um, had his legs amputated through a car accident and is now a motivational speaker. Um, we've got Matt, who we've just done in the last episode, and he's he's also using his story of attempted suicide um, to to try and motivate others to avoid the the troubles that he went through and then there was Eli um as well who's now talking about his car accident and trying to help youth uh in schools to try and not go through the same journey that he went through and there's a common thread through each of their stories about how they've taken taken their misfortune um or their difficult period in their life and and turn that around um, and I, I wonder, you know, I reflect on this. I wonder what ha- would have happened if their disabilities weren't so significant or if they went through this and, and came out the other side without a disability. I, yeah. I wonder uh, what would, where, where their life would be like at the moment. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's really interesting, I guess, because another thing that we somewhat discussed um, just before is I think that, I guess, um, uh, so in, 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 um, as just to bring everyone up to speed, I broke my foot in the last week. Yeah. Um, and I've been living a little bit of a disabled lifestyle in the last week. Um, and, and every time I go through these situations of physical, I guess, ailments that hold me back, I, I guess I'm very grateful for the industry that we're in because I can always, um, I guess, tune into the stories that I hear on to, to give me that strength. And, one thing which I've really noticed, particularly in the last week, um, is the speed at which everything moves in society. Everybody, everything, the way we talk, the way we interact, the way we do everything moves very, very fast. Um, and once you have some kind of disability or physical disability, it's just not possible for you to move at the same speed as everybody else. Um, and so what I found in my own experience was I, I've kind of had to search for something else um because if i'm tuning into the life as it normally was Mm -hmm. i'm just feeling overwhelmed all the time because everything's moving everyone's moving everyone's you know schools uh you know but i'm having to wake up later it's taking me you know probably about 50 percent longer to get ready um and but i need more rest uh because i need to rest myself so i'm waking up later but um, I'm also needing more time to get ready. So I'm getting to work a bit later. Mm. I'm having to take my kids to school. All of this stuff is just taking so much extra time. Um, but the rest of society is not slowing down for me. So if I um, don't search for that better meaning, I think I'm going to find it very, very difficult to interact with the rest of society. You know? so, so yeah, I think that's probably got something to do with it. Um, and, and I... <laughs> A difficulty myself experiencing that so i've tasted a little bit of it nowhere near what these guys do um but yeah it's been it's been interesting and and i guess for him it was also interesting um having that kind of like it seemed like his re- rehab was quite a journey um by both mental and physical mm. um and he's still going through that journey and sharing a lot about it um but I guess to focus on, I guess the the rehab part and the driving part, um, he it was it was quite an interesting story because one one thing that was different with him compared to the other stories we heard was he seemed to not get as many options 
um, you know, in, in, in the whole sense, as in like he woke up in a hospital bed um, and then it was kind of like, you got to do this and you got to do that and you got to rehabilitate this way and you're in this facility and this is all the stuff we had. And he just went along with the ride. He didn't really get many other options in many senses of the word. Yeah, I'm wondering if that's an age uh, thing as well. And, you know, he, he was a young person when he had the injuries. And I wonder if that's a, a period in his life where he accepted more um, and with a little bit more age, maybe in your 20s or 30s, then you are able to reflect on life a little bit more and able to ask more questions. But when he was 16, um, maybe he was being told a little bit more. I'm not too sure. We weren't, yeah. we weren't in his shoes, of course. So we weren't in yeah, his situation. Yeah. I mean, being younger um, seems to be, just from my observation, people seem to be able to um, be more flexible in the way that they're thinking. Um, and then, and, and I guess, as you said, when you're a kid, also I actually saw something interesting not that long ago um, about how kids are raised. Um, they're basically told what to do all the time um and that's kind of how they're raised which is fair enough and then we kind of at some point in their life flip switch that off and say all right now you're an adult no one's going to tell you what to do um and the next day they're all of a sudden going okay but everyone was telling me what to do from yesterday and now today they don't so what am i supposed to do you know that magical um, 18th and, birthday yeah that yeah, magical and, 18th and, birthday when all of a sudden you're an adult and yeah. uh and and all all the world uh is now your responsibility yeah so maybe the mindset as you said is much more open to just going all right well this is what i'm supposed to do this is how i'm supposed to rehab this is the products that i'm supposed to have and i'll just do it you know mm -hmm. um and and i guess also that yeah because he didn't also like i guess what i was reflecting on was he was in this one um one-stop shop facility if you'd like um, and, and that was, sounds like a great facility. It was like a rehab facility. Um, and it's great that it's got one-stop shop, but it sounded like it can be limited because, um, they, are, they're trying to be one-stop shop, but there's more than one piece of equipment that you can have in a car. Right. So, so you, a one-stop shop in this in, industry, um, could have some limitations, you know? Well, we get that all the time. I don't know about where you are there, uh, Ali, but the the amount of people that come into even even the older clients that come in and want to transfer modifications from their existing car into their new car um and sometimes it doesn't fit and we have to go exploring new hand controls um they're just not aware that all of these products are available and there's more than one type of hand control and yeah and all of these differences in hand controls, the little subtle variations can make a massive difference to somebody's function inside the car, whether it's comfort or pain or, or safety and, and appropriate driving. Many, many elements are available to people to, to get that best possible outcome. Yeah, I, I mean, just, just here, we've got like a whole assessment center of different variations of hand controls. Um, mm. And, and driving controls in particular, they pretty much all of them are customizable to an extent. Um, so you've got hundreds and hundreds of different types of hand controls on the market. And then within those, each one of those types, each one of them can be customized to an extent to suit. So 
So, um, so there really shouldn't be any kind of compromise in that area. And one thing I was actually thinking on when I was reflecting on Matt's story, and I guess knowing Matt, and, and as I said, I've worked out with Matt, he's extremely strong. So like he's yeah, those like, shoulders like of his. They, they're yeah, huge, like those he's shoulders. a beast. You know, yeah. like I, I, I can't do, like I can maybe do like one or two pull-ups. And I went and did a workout with him. And he sits in his wheelchair, he grabs a rope, he climbs up the rope with no legs onto the pull-up bar and then starts doing 10, 15 pull-ups and then climbs back down, you know? And, and so, and I guess I've, uh, one thing I was thinking was, I wonder if his strength is hiding the mobility um, and it might catch up with him in the long term. So what I mean by that is, so for my, like with myself, one of the things I like to do um, uh, is, is uh, Olympic weightlifting. So they, they clean it jerks, snatches and, and all mm. that kind of stuff. Um, and with that kind of weightlifting, um, it's really interesting because it's very much technique based and all the angles have to be the right angle. Mm -hmm. But what I found is you can actually um, hide away from technique um, with strength. So if you're really strong, you can just pull the bar up, pull the weight up. Um, but at some point, it catches up with you if you're not using that right technique. And you will hurt yourself if you've done too many reps or if you've done too many bits and pieces, you know. So yeah. Well, there is a big loud beeping noise in the background. There's a truck reversing. So I'm sorry about that. Oh, you're in your workshops and we can see the products behind you for the people that tune in on YouTube. So um, look, I can reflect on that as well. I've, I did my ACL last year. Some people might've seen uh, some videos I did about hand controls and so forth when I, when I did bust my ACL uh, last year. And uh, I reflected on my short lived disability at that stage um but what we were were talking about at that period is oh well i can reflect on exactly what you're talking about it's from me now working with my physio my injury has come from years of not doing squats properly my my hips rotate inwards as i as i do my squats and my knees slightly roll inwards and what that was doing was slightly weakening my uh, meniscal ligament and, and not my meniscal ligament my medial ligament and uh, had a meniscal tear um, so that medial ligament was getting floppy because of the way that I was doing squats and that's probably led to an unstable knee so when I did land incorrectly the whole thing gave way uh, and that's from years of doing squats with yeah. in in a slightly inappropriate way um and we've really got to reflect as therapists and, and people um putting in hand controls like yourself uh ali in in the modifying world these ergonomics these these functions of how the body actually works in a uh in a strongest uh, most repeatable pattern which isn't going to cause injury yeah 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 i mean like look i I guess I question with Matt's situation whether, first of all, um, I mean, it might sound a bit con controversial. Did the therapist do their job properly? Because they've only, he's only used one hand control from what he said. He's just used that one and he's gotten used to it. Um, and, and look, it could by some chance be exactly the right thing. But I guess my concern is in the long term, let's say he's using this hand control and it's not exactly the right like the therapist hasn't measured the angles or whatever it is, you know, like whatever they need to be doing uh, the functionality of it the right way. Um, maybe when he's 35 and 40, 
um, he's going to potentially have major issues when all of this stuff over the long term is going to catch up with him because it hasn't been assessed when he was young, you know. Yeah. Um, and so that, that, that was the interesting thing I was thinking of because when we asked him, you know, what did you think? Like, how did you find it? And he had no problem, you know. He was like, yeah, everything's fine, you know. And I was, but he, it, it was, sounded like he was a little bit kind of oblivious to it, you know. And, and that was a flag to me because I thought, what's that going to look like in 10 years, in 15 years? You know, is he still going to be saying the same, you know? And has it, has it been fully assessed properly or was it just like, oh, well, this is what we had in our car? Um, Cause that's kind of what he was saying. That's the car they had and that's the hand control they had. Mm. And so that's what I used, you know? Yeah. Well, and anyone that's been following my uh, social channel for a while, Williams OT, they, they will get sick of me talking about right hand side hand controls versus left hand side hand controls in regards to the camber of the road. Um, his push-pull hand controls would have would be on the right-hand side. Uh, I don't think we discussed that last week, but the traditional push-pull hand controls that he's got um, will be on the right-hand side of the steering wheel where your key goes in, the traditional yep. key goes in. And his spinner knob, if he's using a spinner knob, will be on the left-hand side. There's so many stories about people taking the spinner knob off because... If you set the spinner knob at, if you imagine your steering wheel as a clock uh, and your spinner knob goes on at between nine and 10 o'clock. And then these days with the uh, steering wheels becoming a bit fatter and you've got the thumb rests on there, it kind of goes up to about 11 o'clock. Um, if you imagine your steering wheel as a clock face, that's really fatiguing for the left shoulder extremely fatiguing for the left shoulder to push against the camber of the road all the time. The road's got a slope in it. It's um, if you ever go to a footy match and you sit down at boundary level, you can't see the other side of the oval. Um, it's humped in the middle. It's a slight hill. Well, the roads are exactly the same and it's for water runoff. Um, and the middle of the road is higher than the gutters on the, on the outer sides of the roads and the road slopes in, in Australia to the left. And if you put a spinner knob on the left-hand side, then you're constantly pushing up against the hill. And the, the amount of fatigue that goes into the left shoulder, into um, you know, your anterior deltoid and also your pecs, and um, to keep that steering wheel up uh, against the slope of the road. If, you, if, if you're a driver, and you're listening to this and maybe you're listening to yourself uh, listening to this in a car right now um, if you take a hand off the steering wheel i bet and i can put money on this more often than not you will take your left hand off the steering wheel you'll rest it on the handbrake or on the gear lever or hold a cup in your left hand uh, hopefully not holding your phone in your left hand or anything else like that that's distracting, but you'll take your left hand off the steering wheel and your right hand will be the dominant steerer. And that, from my experience, is all to do with the camber of the road. Why would we put a spinner knob then in the left hand, which is not our dominant steering hand? And that's the question that I pose to everything to everybody. Yeah. The follow-on from that is what hand controls are in driving instructors' cars? Uh, and the dri most driving instructors, in my experience, have hand controls on the right-hand side of the steering wheel and a spinner knob on the left. It's very rare. There's a few out there that have hand controls on the left-hand side, so you can get that comparison. What's interesting also, what you were saying about that spinner knob, is that, is that also happening with the, um, 
hand control at the same time because when you're accelerating, you're basically pulling back and holding that shoulder in tension, right? The whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you've got this shoulder in tension like that and that shoulder in tension like that. Yeah. Um, How fatiguing is that? Yeah. I mean, a long trip's going to be pretty much impossible. But then, as I said, like, yeah, one trip down the shots for 10 minutes is fine. But do that every day for 10 years. That's hours upon hours upon hours upon like it's hundreds of hours of, of incorrect um, movement and fatigue, you know. So, and that, that's kind of my problem is, is, um, is, yeah, look, he's a strong guy. He's a pretty proud guy. Um, you know, he's a driven guy. And he's like, yeah, I can do that. I can do it. And I'm a, mm-hmm. I'm a, I can do it kind of guy. And, and that's cool for maybe like one challenge or one drive or one thing. But for a long-term solution, um, yeah, you, we need to look at everything. We need to look at the whole thing um, from a long-term basis. Not like, hey, this worked. I ticked that box. Let me put in for the funding and away I go and, and, and you know, do the kind of cookie-cutter approach. It's... Um, mm. It's, uh, it's something that kind of, um, yeah, ha- has a little bit of me in my bonnet about it. And, and I guess um, it's quite interesting because we've got quite a big assessment facility of so many hand controls. And, and um, as Matt just uh, explained, he's come here. And um, when, when, we, when he came here, he was completely blown away. Like it was like, it was quite interesting to me, that experience. I've never actually really had that experience. Um, so normally, um, when I go, when we go and do presentations to therapists or we do presentations to hospitals, to the non-disability community, basically, um, they're always wowed by these products. You know what I mean? They're like, yeah. oh my God, this, this, I've never seen a hand control like this, or I've never seen a seat like that and so on, you know, but generally speaking, when we're dealing with the disability community, they're not as wowed because they've got more exposure to products like that. You know what I mean? So, so it might, it might be just some, it's not like we're showing them fire for the first time. It's, it's kind of like, okay, this is another version of that. But what was interesting when Matt came here, it was like, I was showing someone um, fire for the first time. He was like, well, what's all this stuff, you know? And I'm like, these are hand controls. And he goes, what? I've never even seen anything like this before, you know? And I was just completely shocked because for someone who's what I found is people that do use those kind of controls, they've got some kind of idea of what else is on the market. Um, and, and, and they've got some kind of idea, but he had absolutely no idea. And, and he was using all these different things and he was like, Oh my God, this is really good. And if I had this product and I think, and, and he tried a few different things and, um, and he actually realized that one of them, one particular one um, he reckons would have been a lot better for his particular need, which was um, I think it was like a little hand control with a slider accelerator mm-hmm. on the thumb. Um, so, so, and again, he kind of was saying that holding that accelerator, I think can be fatiguing over a long period of time, um, which then, yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting. And, and um, yeah, like, it's just one thing that, as I said, we need to make sure that we have multiple options, multiple that's the theme of what we're talking about all the time. Anyway, yeah, trial as many products as possible. Trial right? as many products as you possibly yeah. can. Like if, if give another example, if you've uh, need a wheelchair and you go into um, two different wheelchair uh, outlets, shops, um, distributors, uh, if you go into a workshop with one chair versus going into uh, a distributor, which has got multiple chairs for you to try, um, are you going to go to the one with just one product and try to make that chair fit you? Or are you going to go and 
to the to the workshop that's got multiple chairs in it and multiple cushions and multiple options for for backrest and so forth and get the product that can be customized to meet your needs and um it when we're sitting in the car we my my philosophy on this is that you've got to try the the things that work best for your situation not just the one product that's in the car yeah 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 exactly and and what you're finding now because of the nature of what's happening with NDIS and also just people wanting to do the right thing, yeah. this um, facilities are opening up more and more. Um, like what you were saying about the chair, we've, it's all over our social media. Um, Sunrise Medical, two weeks ago, they opened up a facility in near their like warehouse where you can go there as an OT and trial absolutely everything possible, you know, with all different variations and so on um and and a bit of a shameless plug we've got an automotive car there but but aside from that the point is is that it's a one-stop shop for trialing but you actually can't buy anything there so um and i like that because it's taking out the um and we've set up a similar facility here for, for the last couple of years it's there's no buying decision it's just purely a medical and um functional decision so, so, and then you find the right product and then you leave and then you start the buying of that product. And I think that um, following that model and, and we're starting to see that and we're sort of supporting that around the country with more more products. I think following that model is going to be a lot better for the community, for the NDIS and for the users and even for, um, for industry. You know, like as, as we mentioned before, most of us are here trying to do the right thing and and like, and as we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, when we were talking about the chariot, um, mm. like if, if I hear stories about people where the chariot doesn't work, it's not, a, that's not a good thing. Like we want them to um, know like what it's for and then use it. You know, we don't want them to buy a product just and have it sitting in a shelf somewhere, you know, it's, um, and, and if it is, then it must be the wrong thing and we need to relook at it. And, and that's the same with the hand controls and that's the same with everything, you know. Um, so go out there and trial as many products. Yeah. But one thing I actually wanted to, I guess, segue to and highlight a little bit um, is, I guess, share a little bit of insight on this hand control that he did have um, and sort of break it down a bit anyway, um, because it is probably one of the most common hand controls on the mm. market, the push-pull one. It's definitely, I call it the classic traditional hand control. Um, it's kind of like been around for a long while. Yeah. Um, a one, I think... Um, so, so uh, again, we try not to um, mention too many companies, but I, I will mention the guys up the road from here, PME, um, uh, Problem Management Engineering and Bill, more from a high respect point of view. Mm. Um, so they've been around, Bill, like I've known him literally since I was a kid, um, and, and he's been pivotal in developing such products for the community here. And, and the, the traditional push-pull hand control that we see today um, and we use in Australia today, a lot of that design comes from PME's designs and ideas. Oh, he's um, got so many people on the road. We're a massive respect to um, yeah. to Bill and his team out there. He's Yeah, he's yeah. And, and whenever job. we have um, conferences, functions, mm. um, he's always the first person I invite because he's got that um, that that history and that experience. And and I guess, uh, yeah, so, so that PME design has kind of been the main, one of the main designs in Australia um, for 30 odd years, you know, um, mm. plus years. And so, so that's why we call it kind of the traditional classic design. Um, but now that things have evolved and there's a lot more options on the market, um, it's kind of, 
I guess it's still there, um, but there's more options. So other people are doing things, but it is a very, very popular product. And we see it probably in most of the cars that we see. Um, and so it'd probably be a good idea to explain a little bit about how it works and, and, and so on. So, yeah, well, um, it's, it's also, look, cars have come a long way. I just want to touch on that point as well. Cars yeah. have come a long way since this push-pull hand control was first invented. And it, like you said, let's touch on how it works. It, it's designed around the old uh, pull cable type of accelerator where um, the accelerator pushes down, it pulls a cable, which goes through to the engine to make the engine rev. And it was designed around that. I mean, Ali, you're the, you're the um, engineer. You could probably talk more about how it works than what I can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, basically, very simple, very old school. Um, just a straight rod that mounts to the steering column somewhere, um, and and basically connects with one little connection uh, to the two pedals. And yeah, as you said, the the older vehicles they had cables. They're much more mechanical, and this full-on mechanical system was built for that mechanical system. You know, it was one mechanical system working with another one. But now you've got all electronics, all different sensitivities plastics just the virtue of bloody plastics is the problem so yeah so in the old days um the steering column of the vehicle was exposed you know now it's covered in plastic like covered and it's just plastic. like centimeters and centimeters of plastic like how do we even just mount that hand control is very difficult oh, and, and then on top of that the amount of electronics that are in there the amount yeah, of electronics, electronics that are electronics, hidden in the wires now. Um, then you've got airbags knee airbags um airbags coming out of bloody everywhere um and and sensors everywhere and so so that whilst the mechanical um stuff somewhat can work I and mean, you can make it and you can modify it to work it's becoming very very challenging um to get it to work in that way and so um so yeah it's just to relook at the system and and whilst that hand control that mechanical hand control works well um, there is a lot of things that are working a lot better for these modern vehicles, particularly with all of these plastics and electronics and things like that around it. You know? um, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Look, um, we say it in every episode, don't we? And, and it's been the major reflection on this one is, is get out there and trial it. Uh, there's, there's lots of products around. Uh, mobility engineering is one uh, place where you can go and trial all of these things um, where there's lots of different hand controls and, and don't get us wrong. Um, the, the two of us don't have every product available. That's, that's for sure. There's um, multiple products out there that uh, other suppliers have as well. And where, where we do, we refer on to other people if the product's not appropriate as well. So Make sure that you, uh, the products that we don't have aren't appropriate, I should say. So make sure that you get out there and, and try all these things. Make sure that yeah. you, you, you think about the long-term impact on muscles. If it's hurting or it, it's niggling when you're trialing it, then that's a bigger story. And you need to go exploring why could it be adjusted or do I need to look at a different product? And um, yeah, if, you, if you're, steering around a corner and you're fatiguing in your left shoulder uh, because of hand controls on the right hand side and a spinner knob on the left, then maybe, maybe it's not going to be the right product for you and you'll limit the way that you drive and, and you'll do, we don't want people compromising safety either. Um, I'm a big person for safety. Um, I, we don't want people 
uh, compromising safety. They, they can't put their indicator on or they can't, they're, they're overusing cruise control um, yeah. or they're taking their hand off of the hand control to be able to assist with steering. We don't, we don't want people compromising safety either. No, no, that's the most important thing. I mean, that takes me back to the interview with Nev, you know, um, think about your community. Yeah. Um, think about not just yourself and what's easy for yourself, but how you're affecting everybody else. And I guess the one thing I wanted to, I guess probably as we sort of wrap up, um, one thing I really wanted to highlight and I guess really promote the whole idea of trialing and getting out there and not giving up is, I guess, look at Matt's life. Um, I mean, he is 21. Mm-hmm. He's got a girlfriend. Um, he's doing he's living by himself in Castle Hill in a nice apartment. Um, he's, he's um, doing talks all around schools. He's got a job. Um, I know he's also from knowing him personally, he's doing a bit of trading online. Um, so he's, he's, he's a very active member of the community and he's living a very happy life. Um, and he said very clearly that if he didn't have that car, Mm-hmm. then none of this would have been possible. Not the girlfriend, not the job, not living um, by himself. Um, and I know this for a fact because I've known him privately outside of this and, and I knew him when he was living with his parents and, and, um, and he was so excited to be moving out because he's got the car and he's, he's got the ability to get in and out and, and so on and so forth. And um, yeah, like it's, to me, that, that those few facts should really be um, the big selling point of going out there and trialing a product. Uh, go and try some products and you get, you can have so much more independence potentially, you know. Um, Mate, you live in, you live in Sydney and Matt lives in Sydney and the transport there in Sydney with your trains and uh, infrastructure around uh, public transport is massive compared to where I live here in Adelaide. Um, Yeah, we've got trains, but there's only five or, or now six lines on the train line. So, you know, there's not, there's not that, many trains available and buses are hard to get onto with wheelchairs um so without a car in adelaide it's really really limiting and um look we'll, we'll reflect on it again we'll reflect on it almost every episode is the ndis and how that is uh opening up options for people matt put his hand controls in before NDIS and paid for them or his dad paid for them for him. And that may have been a limiting factor on cost in regards to how much was able to be afforded. And um, he put in hand controls that will work, but also what could be afforded at the time um, with NDIS uh, available. This, this really is wonderful times for people within uh, disabilities. We, we hear that there's negatives about it with the way we're learning and opening out and all those type of things. But without, without the NDIS for many people, they would be stuck at home. And um, hand controls, um, spinner knobs, um, hand controls and spinner knobs with the appropriate equipment in it as well. So electronic indicators, electronic accelerators, uh, those type of things as well can really get people out in the community, but get them out in an appropriate and safe manner as well. All right. That's it for this episode. Thank you very much for joining us and listening in. And once again, a huge thank you to Matt Caruana uh, again for joining us for the last episode and talking through his journey. And thank you to 
Brad, for uh, your time today and your reflections and your thoughts. Yeah, just for people that want to catch up with Matt, one of the best places to do that is his Instagram account, um, Matt Shares, M-A-T-T-S-H-A-R-E-S. Um, go and check him out. He's a top guy. And um, if you want to ask him anything about driving um, or about how he's changed his life around, he's very happy for you to get in contact with him massive takeaways out of this one like we have in in most of our episodes at the moment i'm i'm really enjoying this journey with you ali and uh exploring people's life and and driving around with uh disabilities yeah yeah it's really great and um it's awesome and 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 another thing which matt mentioned which i'll give him a plug uh, if you're out there um he's coaching other young people and he's doing it a little bit pro bono um and he's trying to charge a bit of money but also basically coaching young people to help them get better, you know, so hit him up, um, put him in touch with other people that are struggling. He's more than happy to help. Uh, it helps him and it helps the community. And yeah. And as we say in every, every episode, um, if you have any queries about what you can do and we've said it multiple times here, what will work for you, get in contact with your local OT or mobility dealer and set yourself up with a trial. Trials really do put you in that driver's seat. And uh, we definitely, definitely covered that today. Yeah, we'll be repeating it many more times as well, I'm sure. All right, see you later, everybody. See you guys. If you like what you have heard, make sure you like, rate, and subscribe. It makes a massive difference. If you or anyone you know would like to share your story about driving with a disability, make sure you reach out to us through the socials. Just search for us. For more information and the resources mentioned in this episode, then go to the Drivable Podcast on Facebook and tune into the next episode. See you next time.